As is customary on this podcast, we reveal the plans and plots of the ubiquitous them in order to quell their dastardly plans. Yes, and this week we have a doozy for you. You see, due to our exemplary research and our ability to read emails, we have the name of yet another member of the evil cartel who seek to control our... And by extension, your... Enjoyment of this very podcast. Yes, it's come to light that one Robin, if that is his real name, has decided to patreonize this very podcast for what we can only surmise are reasons. No good reasons. Indeed. Who for good reason would fund this? Anyway, Robin, we're on to you. You might think that slipping several dollars a month might mean we won't keep an eye on you, but we will. We will. Our vigilance is legendary. Yes, uh, except we haven't responded to that email from Nat yet. Okay, well, our vigilance is subject to availability. Mm. But enough vigilance, it's time to talk psycho weaponry. Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. As Hello. usual, we have one Josh Addison, a single Dr. M. Dentith, together. And a whole we... lot of whiskey. It's mm. mm. a better one than I was going for. Uh, yes, so we, we, we're practically reeling this week with, with, with popularity. New patron, well, an email. I, I was thinking we can finally build the Scrooge McDuck bathtub oh, the money pit. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then we can we can die by diving in, diving headfirst into a pile of hard metal coins. Yeah. yeah, it'll be great. Uh, I, this fun in heavy tales here in Dark. Oh, don't, don't, God, that's one of those ones. I, I, somebody mentioned that in a tweet once three years ago. And it got stuck in my head for a couple of months. But anyway. It's a duck world. It works, over mystery. I'll rewrite history, DuckTales. Ooh, yes. But interestingly, as a, as a fan of a good mashup, it mashes up perfectly with Beyonce's If You Like It, Then You Should Have Put a Ring On It. Yeah, it would do. It does. It's, it's quite clever. Uh, yes, I thought you responded to Nat's email. Did neither of us? Did no. you think I had? Okay. Well, we got your email, Nat. Thank you very much. Uh, and we actually, and in case you haven't listened mm. to the podcast for a while, we will respond eventually. We just we're going to use it as a kind of well, we're responding now. Yeah, and we kind of mm. use it as part of a joke for the yes, intro. Now, yes. Josh, what is this podcast about for people who might be listening for the very first time or watching? Which is why I'm pointing towards the camera. What's this podcast about? This podcast is about Canadians and their no. Sorry, you, your, your wacky word linguistics just messed with my mind. Uh, it's about conspiracies. It's about conspiracy theories. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a laugh sometimes, except for when we're talking about conspiracy theories that are horrible and depressing. The old, you know, sort of... I think we've got a bit of the, uh, bit of the uh, Catholic Church child molestation stuff queued up, so that's less... Less lighthearted, yeah, that stuff. It's not um, really a jape when you get no, on to no. child sex abuse. But at any rate, we, we, we have a look uh, at a different conspiracy theory or set of conspiracy theories every week. 
Um, we, we both, I believe, buy into Dr. Dentith's approach towards, well, I'm pretty sure you buy into your own approach. Yeah, and I, 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 I do support buy into it my as own well. approach, yes. Uh, which is that conspiracy theories should be treated like pretty much any other uh, theory and uh, evaluated on their methods, which isn't to say that we don't think the wackier tinfoil hatty ones are bollocks. They pretty much generally are. And by methods, he means merits. Mm. Yes, also, also merits. Methods and merits, both of them. And... You just completely killed my train of thought by correcting me. I did me. indeed. Let's readjust our train mm. of thought by moving straight into the news. Yes. Breaking, breaking, conspiracy theories in the news. Only one bit of news this week, although it is a bit of a doozy. The guilty verdict against Cardinal George Powell, the most senior Roman Catholic cleric in Australia, who has been found to have committed sexual abuse against minors back in the 1980s. Yep. Powell, who until recently was heading up the anti-corruption investigation in the Vatican, was found guilty of abusing two boys in a sacristy. He is appealing the conviction, but as it stands, Powell is the most senior cleric in the Catholic Church to be successfully prosecuted for sexual abuse. Given there has been a long history of the church covering up said abuses, and Pell had been previously implicated in simply moving priests from one parish to another after complaints, rather than dealing with the actual problem, Pell in this case appears to be both conspirator and perpetrator. Mm. So a... Uh, Bit of a shocking story, actually. It is, yes. A bit, a slightly more depressing way to start off the episode. But... Now, when did you hear about Cardinal Powell's conviction? Uh, his conviction? Uh, I don't know. When did it happen? The other day? No, it was announced the other uh, day. The trial against Powell actually came to an end in December of last year and, of course, was the subject of an injunction to stop his name from being released, in part because there was thought that he was going to be prosecuted for sexual abuses also in the 1970s, so they didn't want to potentially impair a jury by having a guilty conviction announced at the time if they were about to start a new trial. And this, of course, led to a situation where people in Australia officially didn't know about what happened to Powell, and some of us overseas kind of did. Ah, which is kind of the reverse of other situations we've heard, hasn't we? There was the case, there was a case here in New Zealand a little while ago, the murdered backpacker woman, whatever she was, and the, the, the um, identity of her murderer was stifled here in New Zealand, but was being... Yes, that's right. The, yeah. Her name was, his name was printed in the press in the UK. Mm. I actually think he might still be under an injunction so, now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, funny how, how law works sometimes, but there you go. Now, of course, some people will claim law is part of the cover-up to make sure that people don't find out about what's going on with the Catholic Church. But as people in the media and also in the judiciary in Australia pointed out, no, it was about protecting a possible trial into the same kind of thing from a different time period. Mm. So it wasn't covering anything up, it was trying to make sure that they could get a pool of jurors if the second trial actually went ahead. And indeed in the case here, when people started sort of naming the guy on social media and stuff, the police were like, for God's sake, stop doing that, because you could end up prejudicing the trial and you could end up getting away with it. And because indeed, you're being a vigilante dickhead. There are people talking in Australia that the fact that the news did get out might be used by Powell's defence lawyers to say you have to throw out this conviction and start the trial again. Hmm. Uh, but enough horrible child abuse cases. Have you seen the Michael Jackson business? No, Let's well, not even was, go into yeah, that. I, I, yeah, I thought we might talk yeah. about that in the bonus stuff, actually, because I want to know your opinion 
on removing Michael Jackson from our airwaves. Oh, but we'll save gosh, that. Yes. We will. Bonus episode. No, so we said that, that was all the news we have this week, but that doesn't mean we don't have a bunch of updates to previous news stories, so maybe we better pile into them straight away. Indeed. Updates. And retractions. So, last year we talked about Surefire Intelligence, the group headed by a photograph of Academy BAFTA and Golden Globe Award-winning actor Christoph Waltz. Uh, as we uncovered at the time, said photo was actually just a mask for the real mastermind, and we use that term loosely, one Jacob Wall, uh, who was also one of the people behind the attempted smear on special counsel Robert Mueller. Uh, well, in what can only be a set of coincidences, Wall told USA Today that he intended to use fake Twitter accounts to help Trump win the 2020 election, only to find that he's been permanently banned for, by Twitter for, let me see, uh, using fake accounts. It's almost like if you're conspiring to help bring about a desired end, you shouldn't alert the press to what you're doing. It did seem remarkably stupid. Yes, well, that, that seems to be his modus operandi, really. Yes, as I say, the Christopher Waltz stuff really yeah. kind of speaks to can't actually organise a conspiracy inside of a conspiracy. Mm. Yes, so schadenfreude ahoy, quite frankly. Indeed. Didn't have happened to a nicer guy. And talking about nicer guys, mm. our own local Jacob Wall, Cameron Slater, aka Whale Oil. We mentioned recently that he is being sued by a large number of people, largely because he has run smear campaigns about them on behalf of their political or business enemies. News came out earlier this year that he has suffered several strokes. Now he's also declared himself bankrupt. The conspiracy angle here is twofold. The first is that it's very convenient for Slater to be bankrupt now when there are still two defamation hearings to go on his legal docket. If he's bankrupt, he can't pay out, should he be found guilty? The second is that people are beginning to doubt he's really ill at all, or at least he's not as ill as he claims to be post the strokes. According to a post on his own website, he's barely functional for a mere 15 minutes a day. But Matthew Bloomfield, who I referred to as Blomfeld last time we talked about this, recently, who recently secured a legal victory against Cameron Slater, has disputed this characterization. Plus, Slater recently reorganized his various companies and shell companies, including his online meat business, in order to move his wealth and assets into the custody of others. Something he did after declaring himself too ill to function. Not that this is likely to escape the court's attention. They can always reverse any such changes if they look as if they were designed to avoid paying out to his creditors. Yes. I'm a little bit uneasy with, with some of these conspiracy theories because they seem to be a little bit... Sort of, sort of people seem to be uh, uh, eager to believe them simply because Wailol's a horrible human being, which he definitely is. Um, is there, like, evidence either way, or is it just simply people are saying... It's quite convenient that he happens to be declaring bankruptcy just when he might be liable for a whole bunch of... So there is the convenient ang angle here. There's also the fact that if he's only functional for 15 minutes a day, the several hours that he would have had to have spent one night moving all the companies in and out mm. of ownership indicates he's functional for a lot longer than he claims to be. But once again, that is a convenient aspect here. People go in and out of illness and their ability to function on a day-by-day -day basis. Mm. But there is the convenient aspect here of has kind of made it hard to pay out his creditors. Yes. Although, as I pointed out, the courts may not care because they do have the authority to go, yeah, 
you are changed ownership to avoid paying out your debt. That's just not on. Mm, mm. See, I thought you were going to be more concerned by the fact he's an online meat company. He has an online meat company? Yes, he sells meat online via his website. Uh, I'm quite happy to, to be able to say that I had no knowledge of whale oil's meat. And now you probably never will. Good. Let's move on quickly before disturbing images start to form. Uh, Jerome Corsi and Infowars have issued a startling update in the whole Seth Rich was murdered story by admitting that their story claiming Seth Rich was the person behind the hack of the DNC emails in 2016 was fake news. Uh, Corsi has admitted that his source, retired Admiral James Lyons, was wrong to finger Rich for the DNC hack and that Corsi had no independent information to support his own claims about the matter. Uh, not just that, but Corsi made a special point of saying he had not been pressured into making the retraction, which probably won't satisfy the denizens at Infowars, but it certainly removes one plank from the Seth Rich was murdered conspiracy theory. I, I'd heard the story supporting it was still on Infowars, though. Had they been taken down? Or, oh, I, I, the, or was it only his stories had been taken down, but other stories on Infowars around the conspiracy I was of the belief on. that Infowars had taken down all of the Seth Rich did the internet hack aspect of the story. Uh, I see, but possibly not the Seth Rich was murdered by Hillary Clinton. Yes, I believe stuff. that story is still right. ongoing, but they've now said one of the planks in that story, Seth Rich was murdered because of the hacks. They're going, well, it wasn't the hacks, at which point you go, so why did Hillary Clinton order his murder? Well, why did they order the murder of most of the people on the Clinton death watch list? Did thing. they order the mur murder of most of the people on the Clinton death watch list? Well, probably no, uh, when you actually look into them, but still, that doesn't stop people compiling Clinton death watch lists. That's true, but shall we talk about psychic warfare? Yes, yes, oh, hang, wait, wait, we have breaking news. Scripted breaking news! Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos has been denied a visa to visit Australia for a speaking tour for uh, character grounds. Basically, I've got to stop gesturing with my tablet because then the screen goes sideways and I can't read it anymore. You just need to move your head. auto-rotating screens. As you gesture? Um, yeah. As, as you gesture, move your head. Yes. Uh, no, so he's been, been um, denied due to character grounds, including his claims of anti-Semitism. Yiannopoulos, for example, sent a Jewish journalist $14.88, which is referenced to 1488, the set of numbers neo-Nazis used to symbolise their neo-Nazism. Uh, 14 refers to the 14 word long, isn't it, mantra yeah. of securing future for white children. 88 represents Heil Hitler, because uh, H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, HH88. Uh, Yiannopoulos claims he was just trolling, which is ironic because he also thinks people should take personal responsibility for their actions. Yeah. But he's a wacky fellow who probably doesn't deserve the attention that any of us give him. No, mm. and once again, Australia's visa system is a magic eight ball. For every Milo they deny entry to, they also deny entry to Chelsea Manning. Mm. And let in a southerner Molyneux. So. Yes, so frankly, it's a magic eight ball. You just don't know what the Australian Immigration Minister is going to do next. Mm. Kind of exciting, really. Well, no. No, actually, no, no, the opposite actually, of exciting. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Kind of yeah. terrifying. But not as terrifying as... Psychic, psychic warfare. warfare. Now, Josh, I'm, I'm thinking of something. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to broadcast it to your brain. Right, sir. Uh, can you tell what I'm thinking about at this particular point in time? Don't know. All I've got at the moment in my mind is very specific pornographic images. So yes, I guess. Can you describe who they're of? Uh, not without breaking several injunctions. 
Actually, that's true. We've just talked yeah. this now. Uh, psychic warfare. Psychic warfare. Tell me about psychic warfare. Psychic warfare. Okay, well, this. Now, actually, actually, you tell me, where did we get this article from? Was it one submitted to us by a key listener, or was it one you came across in your. I have a genes? feeling it was one of the things I came across in the being emailed once a week by uh, that conspiracy theory right. website in Aotearoa, New Zealand, which once a week seems to a digest of stuff they've talked about. And I'm very sure it was a link from there. Because as you point out, actually the story's old. It's, it's a little bit old, yes. Uh, yeah, so, so basically we, uh, our attention was drawn to an article, an article from 2017 um, about an NSA memo from 1977, which was declassified and released in 2016. Getting the dates there, but we're going to talk about it now because why not? It's indeed it's, the the uh, the original thing was 1977, so uh, we can't be accused of being any more out of date. Um, so this 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 uh, memo uh, is titled "Parapsychological Weapon." Um, it's from the Stargate section of um, declassified documents. Now, Stargate, uh, among other things, was one of the code words for the. Uh, uh, U.S. military's remote viewing program. Indeed, and also a a latter day reference to a TV show, Stargate SG One, based mm. upon the film Stargate, Stargate, which of course took its name from precisely this kind of thing. Oh, that I did not know. Yeah, well, there you go. So I mean, your remote viewing being the the people trying to psychically see stuff, you know, the 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 classic experiments like Bill Murray in Ghostbusters, where a person's holding up a card and you're trying to read what's on it without being able to see. Although what the U.S. military was interested in was getting maps and locations mm. for Soviet missile installations. Yes, yes, but um, curiously enough, nothing really seemed to come of that. I think, but we're talking about the seventies, back when. Um, when governments were kind of taking this stuff seriously, if only because other governments were taking this stuff seriously and nobody wanted to, to risk getting uh, left behind in some sort of parapsychological arms race. Um, so so in, in, that context, in that context, um, this memo was released by the NSA, which basically it's just a, a sort of a, a rundown of three specific events in the field of parapsychological research. Um, followed by a bit of speculation on how one might uh, weaponize this parapsychological research uh, to, to further the field of psychic warfare. Now, for people who don't know what parapsychology is, Joshua, what is parapsychology? Well, and don't just say a bunch of quackery. Uh, it is that, but um, yeah, it was, it's sort of the scientific attempt to scientifically study psychic phenomena. So your remote viewings and your your telepathy and telekinesis, telekinesis and, yeah. and mind control. Bit, bit, bit of your Manchurian candidate stuff in there, perhaps, and but just generally sort of mental mental powers. Yuri Geller features in there from time to time, although he's been quite quite comprehensively shown to be a fraud, hasn't he? Although he still, he still has TV appearances mm. and makes large amounts of money, so you can be shown to be a fraud and also be very, very successful. Yes, but... Um... So I guess let's just go through it in order. It talks about three particular events uh, which happened sometime in the 70s in the field of parapsychology. The first one was a report from the CIA on the K KGB's parapsychological research. Um, and if nothing else, I mean, wh while the parapsychology stuff might be bunk, it does give an interesting insight into the whole sort of information, disinformation, sort of mind games type stuff that was going on in the Cold War and probably really still going on now, isn't it? And actually, it's probably useful to talk here about 
whether the Russians or the Americans believed mm. in the research they were doing. Because there are kind of two hypotheses here. One is that it might work, at which point, if you know the other side is doing it, so if you're an American, you're worried about the Russians. If you're a Russian, you're wor worried about the Americans. You're both going, well, there's a thing called parapsychology, and we're not convinced it will have any weight. But if it turns out to be true, we need to have the upper hand. So you do research into it anyway, despite the fact you think there are going to be no results, because if it turns out it does have results, better you be have the game changer than yeah. the other side. The other way people look at it is it's a really good way to get the other side to waste large, large mm. chunks of money. So if the Americans look like they're taking parapsychology seriously, the Russians will take parapsychology seriously. They will then waste a large chunk of their operational budget researching something that the other side thinks is wacky and woo. And because of that, the other side isn't investing in, say, cruise missiles or satellite launches. And there's some evidence that maybe this was the American perspective, because when you look at the allocated budgets for these programs in the US military, they re really were only spending a very, very tiny amount of money, but they were engaging a lot of PR about the research. Mm. Almost as if they were going, we're not going to spend much, but we're going to make a big noise about it. Yes. And uh, are there similar um, details known about the Russian research? Do we know if they were spending a lot of money? Or could it be possible that it was just sort of a, a bluff, double bluff, triple bluff sort of thing going on where they were both trying to trick the other into spending large amounts of money while, in fact, neither of them really were? The problem with the it. Russian side of the story is a lot of the so documentation secretive. is yeah. still yeah. under wraps. So we don't really know. Mm. But there's a lot of a lot of a lot of the, the the sort of ten dimensional chess that people tend to roll their eyes at a little bit. But I mean, some of that does go on sometimes, doesn't it? It and does. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so so as to the specific report, uh, apparently it was reporting to the fact that the KGB um, was researching parapsychology. Uh, and and doing so by using ra rather than using sort of government scientists by using like hobbyist scientists and non-governmental researchers um, who could who, who who would find it a lot easier to talk to Western possibly scientists you know parapsychological researchers without raising attention um, and so it it was supposedly it was this plan uh, where they could the the. KGB or the Russian government couldn't wasn't necessarily in danger of sort of revealing stuff because these scientists weren't privy to class any whatever classified information they may be, but they might be talking to Western scientists who were who could deliberately or inadvertently leak details, which would then be fed back to the Russian government. So supposedly, according to the CIA, according to the NSA, no, sorry, the other way around, um, this tactic yielded quote high grade Western scientific data. So they claim. Parapsychology. About parapsychology. Yeah. So. High grade here is a intelligence mm. term mm. as opposed to an academic term. Yes. As you can tell, we're really keen on parapsychology. Indeed. Uh, so the next thing in this uh, in this declassified memo uh, is the case of the arrested journalist. Um, supposedly sometime in the 70s, an American journalist was arrested in Moscow on charges of receiving a Soviet paper on parapsychology. So supposedly this, um, this paper had been leaked to the journalist, but then the journalist was picked up uh, when he took receipt on it, of it. And in this case, even at the time, 
there's a lot of sort of conspiracy theory, counter-conspiracy theory stuff going along as people are thinking, you know, is this legit? Is it disinformation? Um, what, what, what might get what mind games might the Russians be trying to, to pull here? It all gets quite twisted. Well, yes, especially since we're in the midst of a Cold War at this particular mm. point mm. in time. So each side is trying to make the story fit their own particular agenda. So even if it turns out it was, say, a threat by the Russians, the Americans could turn around and re-describe the same events to their own populace. We go, oh, no, this was a, a clever double bluff on our part. And it's quite hard to tell, even in a situation where you've got these official reports, because in some cases, people write official reports to fit particular narratives. Mm. So, I mean, from the article, some of the theories that came up around this event were um, that they might have been trying to provoke radio chat chatter, which the Soviets um, could trace to get a better idea of whether or not the US was interested in this kind of research. You just lose a light there. Something went off. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, I'm not quite Mysterious. sure. Just I'm gonna, it's almost always that mm. one there. It's, it's for, for our podcast audio listeners, every now and then we'll sort of be recording here with lights on and then something will get dimmer, but because there's a bunch of them, unless it happens directly in front of you, you can't see and it's very yeah, no, I'm assuming it's not these three here. No, I'm assuming yes. So, or, or, or possibly that was just the effect of the Russians. Oh, that's maybe the bug they've planted in them, activating and draining possibly. the power from it. Could be possibly. anything. Could be anything. Uh, but no, so I thought possibly this whole journalist being arrested story was there to, to maybe, you know, just, just get the, the US talking about it and then maybe if the Soviets are uh, monitoring their, their uh, communications, maybe they could pick up on something to either find out what they're doing or simply if this is something they're interested in or not. Um, some people thought it was sort of a warning to the West, stay away from our sensitive research, parapsychological or otherwise, or we'll start arresting your citizens. Um, and then the third theory, third theory was that it was, and here I'm quoting, a double-think ploy to pretend interest in a clumsy manner to make us think that this was really just a deception to trick the West into believing there was interest when there really was none. I don't quite think I understood that even as I was reading it. Clever double bluff! Mm. Basically. Yeah, so uh, th there's a lot of, I mean, as we talked about before, if, if you have sides um, trying to basically provoke the other into wasting a whole lot of money, um, then they want to sort of be, be constantly feeling each other out as to, uh, are you interested? I don't know, are you interested in it? I don't know, well, I'm interested in it. If you're interested in it, well, are you interested? I don't know, are you? Are you? Am I? I don't know. I mean, you seem, you seem a bit mm. interested. No, no, you seem a bit interested. No, no, I'm I'm only interested if you're interested. Well, I'm I'm definitely only interested if you're interested. Oh, mm. well, I'm slightly... Oh, you are interested. Well, I'm interested. You're yes, waiting then, for someone to break. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang... No, yeah. It sounds well, I'll like have the last word. No, mm. I'll have the last word. No, I'll have the last word. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, it, it gets it gets into the the, the, the ten-dimensional chess theory. And is it really or not when you get to the sort of the... You know, this is, what I th this is what I think. Aha, but that's just what they wanted you to think. Ah, but thinking what they wanted to think is what we wanted them to think about what we think, about what they think. And it just, yeah, gets into a massive tangle. And you almost... And now of, I've turned out to be a double agent because mm. I've thought my way into it. And then possibly the, 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 the 11th dimensional chess on top of that is that by, by muddying the waters like this so much, nobody knows the truth of anything. And then maybe that's... And then Donald Trump after all. becomes president. Yeah, so, satire. 
the paper itself um, was apparently a paper on the existence of PSI or psi particles in living cells. Supposedly this was a paper claiming that they actually had found scientific proof of psychological phenomenon. There were these special psychic particles in living cells which could be manipulated to generate psychic phenomena. Like midichlorians. Like midichlorians. Like, um, George Lucas was right! Mm. If you remember back in episode 180, when we talked about Falun Gong and whether or not the Chinese are uh, harvesting the organs of prisoners, spoiler, they probably are, but we can't prove it. Um, we talked about how back in the 1970s, again, the Chinese were into this stuff a little bit, and supposedly scientists in, the Chinese, in China in the 70s thought they had come up with uh, scientific proof for the existence of qi, the sort of Chinese equivalent Sorry, of like life I was say Scientific existence of the proof of cheese. Cheese, yes. Well, I don't know. What, how much do we really know about cheese? As I don't eat it, nothing at all. Ah, well, there we go. The Chinese have got a step up on you there already. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting. This one in particular is just so murky that it's hard to know what the hell is true or not, and whether or not it was the case that people were genuinely interested in scientifically investigating this, whether it was being taken seriously at all, or if it was just bluff upon bluff upon bluff to 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 try and get people talking about stuff that nobody actually, in the end, was really interested in. Yeah, and because it's a whole Cold War thing, we'll probably never really find out what was going on because A, a lot of the stuff is still being kept secret, and B, a lot of the people who are doing the research are now dead. Yes. So the third bit, and maybe you might like to talk about this a bit more because I believe it touches on one of your favourite topics, one Teilhard de Chardin. Pierre Teilhard, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. De Chardin. Um, so yes, apparently... This is, uh, the third point is that some physicists, in quote marks there, they don't really go into any more detail than that. Oh, actually, no, it's not, no, sorry, that's not true. They will in a moment. I, I, I retract that. Some physicists, along with the famous evolutionist Teilhard de Chardin, see the universe in terms of a great thought rather than a great machine. Uh, quoting from the, the NSA's memo here, in this view, the unified field on ground of reality is awareness. Will within awareness impels and focuses energy. Energy condenses into particles which concentrate into atoms, compounds, etc. The telekinetic experience in the US, Dr. Krippner in New York, so here we go, Europe, Dr. Hans Bender in Freiburg, West Germany, and the USSR Sergeyev tests of Kulagina, Kulagina, all seem to show that even human awareness focusing with will can evidence a new form of energy that moves and perhaps alters matter. And here we go with Yuri Geller. The British scientists who tested Yuri Geller complained of poltergeist phenomena. Objects left the room, some appeared later, some never did. Scientists for many years have observed poltergeist phenomena in which objects go through solid walls or disappear. Physicists commenting recently on such things indicate little surprise. They stated that they routinely detect particles emerging from energy and dissolving or disappearing back into energy. Why should we be surprised at larger objects displaying the same behaviour? So they seem to be getting a little bit tangled up into quantum physics there at the end, and the whole... Now, let me just pause you yes. there. A Dr. Bender... Oh, an, another light. Has mm. just, so all the talk is like phenomena is affecting mm. our visual field here. A Dr. Bender and a Dr. Freiburg. Mm. Bender and Bender Fry. Bender and Fry. Yeah, well, actually, it was Freiburg was the city, but... The city yeah, of this is definitely mm. a Futurama episode. So you can ask me about Pierre Teilhard. I was going to say, Hattie. basically, how how is it that we've got two hundred odd episodes into this podcast? I don't think we've mentioned Teilhard de Chardin because we haven't really talked about New Age conspiracy theories mm. to any large extent. So Pierre Teilhard de Chardin was a Jesuit priest 
who was the first Catholic and arguably probably the first Christian to try to synthesize evolution by natural selection with, the, with some kind of theory of guided evolution. And Talhard has the notion that the evolutionary series goes from simplicity to complexity. So he goes, look, the beginning of the universe was hydrogen, and that was pretty simple. From hydrogen, we get stars, they're more complex. From stars, we get planetary matter, that's even more complex. Planetary matter gives way to biosystems, that's even more complex. Biosystems give way to multicellular organisms, that's even more complex. Multicellular organisms become bodies like our own, that's even more complex. He goes, well, look, there's a direction to this evolutionary series, which is the development of thinking animals. One day we will think universally in a kind of new sphere, a kind of mental sphere around the earth. We'll then learn to think as one, which will be the most complex thing. That will then incarnate the Godhead, the Godhead will have the property of being able to transcend time. So when God gets instantiated, God will always have existed. And then God will kick off the process again from the beginning. So we create God to become God and God has always been. Which, as you can imagine for many Catholics at the time, was a fairly controversial thesis mm. which led to a lot of trouble. Although Tauha has been largely... Yeah, I think it's fair to say, has been largely rehabilitated within the Catholic Church with respect to talk of this kind of guided evolution notion. Mm. But in the 1970s, talk of the idea of a, a shared mental field that we could all access um, certainly would, would, would have been a grist for the mill of psychic phenomena. Um, but, but enough of this. Let's get to the good stuff, damn it. Because after uh, summarising these recent um, developments in the field of parapsychology, the memo goes on to say, how could we turn this into weapons? Psychic weapons, mm. a la Akira. Akira yeah, so, so first of all, they, they, start, they start their thinking small. Um, they say that um, you know, one thing you could, or first of all, it's um, suggested the idea that uh, you can, you can um, enhance or, or even sort of create or psychic or telekinetic abilities in a person. Um, so one idea they have is of abducting key members of, of the um, opposing government and then using these techniques upon them to give them psychic abilities of some kind, telekinetic abilities or what have you, which they wouldn't know they have, but which had been programmed with some sort of, you know, to come out in stressful situations, the idea being that you then plonk them back in their natural habitat, as it were, and then should everything go pear-shaped and they find themselves in this weird stressful situation, their telekinetic abilities will suddenly manifest, causing all sorts of chaos in whichever command centre they happen to be in and disrupting communication and what have you. Oh, in a so time it's of not emergency. Akira, it's scanners. Oh, it's not, a, it's not Akira yet, but yes. Yeah, so we start with a bit of scanners. So that's, that's their first one, but that, that, then they decided that's, that's small potatoes. That's the, we, we can think bigger. Um, so uh, even referring back to de Chardin and how he predicts a, a major change of consciousness, um, gets the idea that, um, that, 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 we, that these, these changes that he foresees will, uh, quote here, alter the direction, time, space, and energy matter relationship of our world. And so that, that, then they bring up the idea that, well, you could... Um, 
sort of bringing in the idea of a sort of shared mental field. What if you got a bunch of these people with telekinetic abilities and got them all together in one spot and possibly set off some sort of psychic chain reaction which could cause massive um, psychic psychic waves emanating and altering matter and reality in a sphere all around them, possibly even on a city-wide scale. Now that's your Akira right there. Now, for people who don't know what Akira is, tell the audience. If, uh, if you don't know what Akira is, you're a goddamn liar. Everybody's heard of Akira, surely, but just in I case. I don't know that they have, because the heyday of Akira I was suppose, our teenage yes, years. Yes, and it's possible. Josh, I put it to you, we are in our 40s. That's a lie. Why would you say such a lie? Because I cut your leg open before the podcast started and counted the rings. Ah, well, you've got me there. Okay, so on the off chance that you haven't heard Akira, um, Akira started life, it's a Japanese uh, manga, it's a Japanese comic book, which uh, was first published in 1982, so it's after a lot of this talk was going on. And um, some of us were only five at the time it was published. Well, indeed, yes. Uh, which is my emphasis, it's really, really mm. old. Uh, and then in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, Late no, it must have been early nineties. Uh, it was there, there was a, a very famous, a very famous anime uh, cartoon version of it, um, which begins with this psychic explosion destroying Tokyo, um, uh, and then works its way through to another psychic psychic explosion that destroys a bit of Tokyo. But in between, there's uh, cool bikes, psychic things, giant, and a lot of people shouting Akira, lots, lots of Akira. Tetsuo Akira and so on and so on. It's it, it, it's a classic. It's um, it's it's it was sort of the pinnacle, I think, of of cell animated, or of cell animation. Really, they never really managed to top it before things went to CGI. Um, and it is a classic, uh, and it is it is it is possibly the the canonical example of the possibilities of psychic warfare, where you have these psychic kids who um. The, the strongest among them, Akira, and then lately, then, uh, not Akira, yes, yeah, sorry, Akira, uh, and then the character Tetsuo eventually managed to manifest these city destroying explosions. Sorry, well, I was wrong. It's really not before, wasn't it? so it was... much a rumination on psychic warfare no. as it is a rumination on the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Well, obviously, yes, yes, you, you, you could quite understand the fact that um, having two of your cities vaporized would have left quite an imprint on the Japanese psyche, so um, yeah, the, the destruction of Tokyo in Akira and indeed in various other Japanese cartoons of the time uh, is probably not, not that surprising from a cultural standpoint. No, not at all. I was wrong, it's not, it's, it's not Akira who keeps getting shouted before, it's Kaneda who's the, the main protagonist. Kaneda and Tetsuo shouting the names at each other for minutes at a time, like half an hour. Just Kaneda, Tetsuo. Kaneda! Yep. It's very good. Very. You should. If you haven't watched Akira, you should. It's. It's. it's Actually, a bit today you can probably get much better versions of it than we watched on VHS mm, back mm, in the yeah, day. Yeah, no, they've been probably with remasters and dubs as well. Mm, mm, yeah, no. Apparently, there are several, several quite high quality dubs that have been done done of it over time. Um, I thought I was going to have a. a like when we talked, well, I mentioned this last week and figured we we're probably going to segue into Akira references fairly quickly. We actually managed to get most of the way through it. Yeah. And then got onto Akira. And I didn't even really get to mention Global Frequency at all because they never quite touched on that. But if you've seen the first episode, the first issue of Global Frequency by Warren Ellis, that's. Which it's a, and that's a 12 issue 12 series. 12 issue series, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, very good. I, re I recommend it heartily. But the first issue is about the idea of a uh, Russian sleeper agent who was programmed with psychic abilities and given the, the, there's sort of a, a nuclear bomb waiting somewhere in Russia and he has this chip in his head that, uh, that, that magnifies his, his telekinetic abilities and uh, when his abilities, so he was sort of sent to America to be a sleeper agent and uh, when his abilities were triggered he would teleport a nuclear bomb into the middle of whichever American city he was sitting in and then the whole point of the story is that while that never happened he gets old, the chip in his head sits there slowly degrading and eventually starts going off on its own and they have to go in and stop him. And then they uh, briefly made a TV, they made the pilot for a TV series, which was very good, um, and happened, it was just slightly too soon because um, a new, uh, there, there was a whole bunch of politics, a new head of the network came on and apparently whenever a, a network head comes in, new network head comes in, one of the things that usually happens is, is they, clear the slate. they clear the slate, cancel all the, project, all the projects in production so that the head can you know, start off his own pet ones. Um, so it was sort of already on the outs and then the pilot got leaked onto the internet and everyone who saw it said, wow, that is really great. Why don't they make this it TV series? It was a pretty good pilot. It was a really good pilot, but unfortunately, apparently this enraged the studios even further. So they made sure it would never happen. And then only a couple of years later, they were doing things like leaking the pilot of Arrow quite deliberately to, to spread hype for it. But, um... Slightly ahead of its time. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. So I did, we didn't get to talk about it that much, but it's probably for the best, because I think we're about at our, at our time limit But now. your homework is to track the planet mm. down online and watch it, and then go, that would have made a really good TV series. Mm. And then you can just rail against the air, because there's nothing you can do about no. it. So there we go. I think we're at the end of a... Another episode. We've got to have a bit of fun now. We we started with the the child molestation and the horribleness, but every now and then we and then we ended up with psychic bombs psychic destroying destroying cities. So we went from well, it was a work small, of fiction though. That small was horror to existential dread about the future mm. of our society. Well, yes. Um, but that's all we have for you now. Uh, if you stick around, what happens if they stick around? Well, if you stick around, you'll be finding out about what's happening with UKIP in the UK. Not good. Uh, the fact that Viktor Orban, Prime Minister of Hungary, might be about to be expelled from a party grouping in the EU. The fact that Roger Stone loves Instagram so much he might have to go to jail over it. And something Josh added at the last minute, sure hidden did. tunnels under Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Could this be the new North Head? Mm. So, but in order to hear that, you have to be one of our special super patrons, much like... Much like new patron Robin. If that's your if real that is name. your real Robin. name. And I happen to know it is your real name because oh. we follow each other on Twitter. But for the sake of the joke, is it your real name? Mm. Is it? Real name or not, you're one of our favourite people and as such get to access the bonus content. Uh, but for our regular listeners, who you, you might not be our favourite people of our listeners, but you are our favourite people out of all of humanity. So that's, that's something. That's not nothing. Uh, you, we, we'll just leave you now. Uh, and talk to you this time next week, probably. Here in Duckburg. Race cars, lanes, airplane. It's a, a duck, duck blur. For God's sake, it's such a catchy tune with the worst lyric ever. He's like, what rhymes with Duckburg? I don't know, blur sounds a little bit like it. Let's Although just, that's how I'm making me I think. don't even care anymore. Let's just throw that in. Britpop duck blur. 90s yeah, duck blur. Good God. Uh, it's it's not quite there with the gummy bears theme song, but that one that really got that that, that really sticks to you as well. It's a 
Duck World. Right. Mm. Goodbye. Might solve a mystery or rewrite history. DuckTales. Woo. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. M.R. Extenter, which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Monkey Fluids and Conspiracism. Remember, Soylent Green is meeples.